Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each week on Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell the story, and have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 20 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. That's an incredible thing to be able to say. I'm so delighted we're here that a little idea that turned into a conversation that became a demo that suddenly became a podcast has now reached its 20th episode and I couldn't be happier to have made it this far. Thank you so much to all of you who've listened to the podcast so far and if you're new to it today you're very welcome along. I hope that you continue to listen and continue to enjoy the podcast as much as I enjoy writing and recording them. Uh, We've got a very special podcast today. First and foremost, I just wanted to say as well, like I just said, uh, thank you to all those who continue to listen. Please do continue to subscribe, to leave ratings and reviews. They all help. They all build up. And I'm very, I'm ecstatic to announce that uh, this week, as we hit our 20th episode, we're on course to be hitting our 10,000 listeners to this podcast, which is overwhelming like again that this little thing is growing slowly but surely to this wider audience at last and I hope it can can continue to grow and I hope it does uh, because I'm having such a ball doing it and I hope you're enjoying listening to it. To celebrate the 20th episode I have just today launched a Patreon account for Fireside that may come as a bad thing to some of you, maybe a good good thing to others. Um, a lot of podcasts do um, have Patreon accounts. I myself, uh, I wanted to launch the podcast and build up some kind of listenership and find out what the podcast was and until I was happy with, with the quality and the content of it as I feel more happier and happier with each week. Uh, to finally, I wanted to build a listenership of some level before I asked back. And now, from this week on, you, the viewer, you, the listener, rather, can um, you can be a patron to this podcast. There's a very specific reason that I wanted to launch this Patreon. Um, of course, everything, everything up to now, and up, and really from this point on as well. I every week I write, I write, uh, record. And release this podcast. It takes 
several hours of research of writing and recording that goes into it. And then Jamie Reynolds, my he- my editor over at Headstuff, the podcast network, he spends he spends a number of hours on each week editing it together and making it sound lovely and professional for you. All of this we do out of a labor of love and we do for free and we happily do that. We knew when we were getting into this and it continues to do that. I now would like to take Fireside and present it as a live show. I would like to do several. Ultimately, I'd like it to almost be a monthly thing somewhere in Dublin, possibly then other places around Ireland, where we do these live storytelling sessions, uh, possibly with some music, maybe with some other guest artists. I want to build something now. So this is now where we need something back from you, the listeners. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can subscribe to the Patreon account, uh, at Patreon slash Fireside Podcast, that's literally it, and you can donate anything from as little as a euro or fifty cent a month. Um, we not we're not asking for much. We don't need much. We just need to get ourselves off our feet so that we can start to bring this turn this podcast into a live experience. But that is up to yourself. But forget forget about that for the moment because we are here to talk about Fionn McCool. We're back on our third look at the Fenian cycle, but our boy Fionn is finally a man and he is about to fulfill his destiny. It's this episode was incredible to write because even in the middle of the writing process of it I realized how rich this world is becoming and how everything, even from the mythological cycle, how it all just constantly comes back around and how gorgeous the the Fenian cycle is in its structure. I've said before on this podcast that the mythological cycle, the first cycle of myths that we did on the podcast, it's it's the least survived, the least amount of it has survived to modern day. Um, And so the stories are less structured and there's a little more open to interpretation but the Fenian cycle um, has so much more of a structured text, it seems, from its different sources, that the stories themselves just seem to instantly translate to so much, so many contemporary stories um, that I'm sure you'll realise yourself while being so uniquely themselves as well. Uh, so enough rambling. I'm going to get to the story. We can chat more about it afterwards. But please enjoy episode 20, story 20. This is Fionn McCool and the Burner. Fionn McCool and the Burner Historically, the Celtic feast of Samhain was how the ancient Gals marked the end of the harvest and the beginning of the winter. It was also a time where the bridge between the mortal and other worlds was most easily traversed. The dead were said to visit their homes, and then Ace she, the fairies of the other world, and the remnants of the Tuadedanan left their new world to come back to our own, usually to wreak havoc. The Tuadedanan had ruled Ireland as gods for hundreds of years until their defeat at the hands of the Gaels, the mortal men. Following that loss, it was decided that the Tuadedanan would leave Ireland to the mortals and would themselves travel to live out their days in the under or other world. Over time, they became known as the Ace-She, or fairies. When the Ace-She would return to the mortal world, many remained angry at their defeat at the hands of the Gaels, and thus spent their days tricking, humiliating, and in some cases, even killing humans. 
That is why to this day it is believed that interactions between the humans and the fairies are bad luck and to be avoided at all costs. In the Fenian times, at Samhain, there came from the other world a terrible creature, a fire-breathing man named Alain Macmina. He was one of the Tua de Danen, and because of his abilities was known as Alain the Burner. Alain came to Tara, the former seat of the rulers of the Tua de Danen and the current seat of the High Kings of Ireland. Like many of his people, Alain was a talented musician and incredibly gifted singer. He sat on a hill near Tara, took out his harp and began to play and sing. The beautiful melody enchanted all who heard it, and soon everyone all around the kingdom was asleep. With all royalty, army and guards in a slumber, Alain was free to relax and dance around and burn Tara to the ground. Those that survived the devastation went in search of the creature responsible. But his job done, Alain returned to the underworld. This was one of the exact reasons why the king at Tara, Khan of the Hundred Battles, decided to form the Fianna, the gathering of warrior clans to defend Tara and Ireland from their enemies. The Fianna were incredibly successful in this endeavour, but the following Samhain, Alain the Burner returned. Tara had been rebuilt, and so Alain played his harp, sang his songs, lulled everyone into a slumber, and burned the area to the ground again. The Fianna hadn't expected the fire demon to attack Tara again, but they would not allow the seat of the High King of Ireland to be desecrated ever again. They defended their king all year, waiting in anticipation for the eve of Samhain. When the harvest finally ended and the winter began, the portal to the other world opened, and Alain came through right on cue. The Fianna were ready. They charged at the burner, but Alain simply took out his harp and began to strum. Not even the mightiest warriors of the Fianna were able to withstand the power of the music being played. One by one they dropped to the ground until they were all asleep. Alain once again lived up to his name and set fire to Tara. Twenty-one years passed. Twenty-one summers, harvests and winters. Twenty-one sounds and twenty-one more devastating visits from Alain the Burner. The Fianna continued to be powerless. All they could do was rebuild Tara each and every year. But one day, there came to Tara a young man. Despite his youth, he looked strong, agile, and he was even charming enough to talk his way into an audience with the king. The king asked, Who are you, child, that has come before me? The fair-haired young warrior approached and said, I am Fionn, son of Cool, leader of Clan Boskna of the Fianna. I wish to enter your service. Khan looked at the boy and sat back in his throne. Your father was one of the greatest warriors I have ever seen, and I gave him my trust. And he repaid that trust by abducting Moerna, the daughter of my chief adviser, Taig of the Tua de Danen. That is not true, Fionn protested. My father and mother were in love. 
but Tyg did not approve of his daughter marrying a mortal and forbade the marriage. When they married in secret, Tyg lied to you, my king, and thus began the battle which ended with the death of my father at the hands of Gull MacMorna. A grizzled warrior stepped forward from the crowd. I am Gull of Clan Morna, leader of all the Fianna. Your father was the head of Clan Vaskna, and was my rival all his life. I did not like him, but I respected him. I challenged him to decide who should be leader of all the Fianna. He accepted, and I won. Have you come for revenge, boy? Fionn looked upon the man who had cut down the father he had never known. I have not come for revenge. I have come to fulfill my father's destiny. I have come to lead the Fianna. With this, the entire gathering at Tara began to laugh. Fionn wasn't surprised. I am aware of my youth, and that none of you know me. But I am the son of Cool in every sense of the word, and I have been training for this day since I could walk. Give me any challenge at all to prove myself. The king was enjoying the proceedings. All right, Fionn McCool. As you may be aware, for the past 23 years, every Samhain, Tara has been terrorized by a demon from the other world known as Alain the Burner. No warrior or druid has ever been able to stop him raising Tara to the ground each and every year. If you can bring me his head, I will make you leader of all the Fianna. Fionn smiled. Thank you, my king. I will not let you down. Samhain was less than a month away, and Fionn began to plan what to do. He had plenty in his arsenal at this point. He had the magical crane-skin bag of the Fianna, with all the weapons of the Tua de Danon in it. But there was nothing that would make him immune to the enchanting music of Elaine. But then Fionn was approached by a young man named Fieka. Fionn, my father's name was Congal. He was a member of Clan Basknell and served under your father, Cool, for years. There are still a few among us who believe that Cool should have been the leader of the Fianna, and that what you said in the throne room was true, that his untimely death was as a result of lies and treachery. I support your claim to the leadership, and wish to offer you my service. Let us fight together, as our fathers did. It would be my honour to fight with you, Fieke, son of Kungal, said Fionn. I bring you more than my service, Fionn, continued Fieke. I bring this spear. This spear is one of the last great weapons of the Fianna, one that wasn't lost with the theft of the enchanted crane-skin bag after the death of your father. But no man in the Fianna remaining has the skill to use it. I believe you could be the one. Fionn could not believe his eyes. After he had retrieved the crane-skin bag off the man who had in turn stolen it from his own father's body, it had never occurred to him that not all of the weapons of the Fianna were contained within. He took the spear off Fieke. I do not know how to wield this spear, but I will in a moment. Fionn had eaten the salmon of knowledge, and so had all the knowledge of the world within him. 
but because the first physical contact he had had with the fish was burning his thumb while bursting a blister off its skin while cooking it, this meant that whenever Fionn needed to know something, he simply put his thumb in his mouth and he would know the answer. Fionn held the spear, sucked his thumb, and knew at last how to defeat the burner. Samhain came, and Fionn stood on the hill of Tara awaiting his foe. When the evening arrived, the portal to the other world opened. Alain the Burner came bursting through. When Fionn saw the demon begin to play his harp, he readied the spear. But rather than thrust it straight at the burner, Fionn instead put the edge of the spear to his forehead and inhaled the enchanted fumes from its tip. With the power of the spear in his head, Fionn was immune to Alain's music. He began to advance on the burner. When Alain saw Fionn, he put down his harp, opened his mouth, and engulfed the young warrior in flames. But Fionn reached into the crane-skin bag and pulled out a cloak which completely absorbed the attack and thrust it right back at Alain. When the burner saw that his powers had finally met their match, he turned and fled, attempting to escape back through the portal to return to the other world. But when Fionn saw Alain run, he picked up his spear again and thrust it with all his might and it pierced Alain through his heart. And Alain the burner tormented Tara no more. Fionn approached the corpse, cut its head off and mounted it on a spike for all to see the new regime at Tara. When Fionn returned to Khan, the king was initially shocked but absolutely delighted that the reign of tyranny had been lifted from his kingdom. You are everything your father was and more, Fionn McCool. You are indeed the man who should lead the Fianna, from this day until your last day. Gull McMorna, step forward. The man who slew Cool approached. Yes, my king. You have served me well all these years. But it is time for a new leader of the Fianna. You now have a choice. Leave Tara today, or swear fealty to the son of your enemy. Gull McMorna stepped towards Fionn. Your father was my rival, and I ask no forgiveness for killing him, because I do not apologize for killing him. Your father stood in my way, and leading the Fianna has been the greatest honor of my life, so I have no regrets. But first and foremost, I serve Ireland, and Khan of the Hundred Battles. So, Fionn McCool, if you'll have me, I will continue to serve in the Fianna under your command. This put Fionn in a troubling position. All he had wanted all his life was to lead the Fianna. But he had always thought to do that, he would have to slay his father's killer. Now here he was leading the Fianna, and Gull McMorna was still alive and asking to serve him. Fionn wanted to gut him right then and there. But did he want his leadership to start on the same note Gull's had, with the slaying of a rival? Fionn stuck his thumb in his mouth. Even with age, Gull was still a skilled and valiant fighter. Fionn could use him. And although he wouldn't be the leader of the Fianna anymore, Gull would still be the leader of Clan Morna. He still would have many loyal followers who Fionn needed the support of. 
His decision made, Fionn extended his hand. Gull McMorna, I accept your fealty. Fionn would never trust Gull, and their relationship would always be uneasy. But if nothing else, Fionn would keep his friends close and his enemies closer. Finally, Fionn went to Taig of the Tour de Dallin, the king's chief advisor, his grandfather on his mother Muerna's side, but also the man who had hated his father just because he was mortal, the man who had poisoned the king against his father and had put Gull up to challenging Cool for the leadership of the Fionn in the first place. So it was, in truth, Taig who was truly responsible for Fionn's father's death. I am Fionn, son of your daughter, Mwerna. You are my family. But I am also the son of Kool, who you are responsible for the death of. I demand satisfaction, or I challenge you to single combat. Taig was an old man, but he was also a member of the Tuadedanum, and had once been worshipped as a god. It is true he had hated Kool. But he could not hate the son of his daughter. The blood of his people ran through Fionn's veins, and there were so few Tuadedanan left in this world. Fionn McCool, I could never fight you in combat, but I know you cannot forgive me. So take my home on the hill of Almo, and I shall return to the other world to be with my people. Fionn accepted his grandfather's offering, and the hill of Almu became Fionn's home and the seat of the Fianna of Ireland. Today it is known as the Hill of Allen in County Kildare. And so Fionn was a man. He had eaten the salmon of knowledge and had become leader of the Fianna. But the adventures of Fionn McCool had only just begun to be continued. And there we have the story of Fionn McCool and the Burner on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. It seems incredibly appropriate that that episode 20 should echo in a lot of ways episode 1. Those who have listened to this podcast from the beginning or even have listened to the first episode will know that the first episode of this podcast ever was also about Fionn McCool, but was about his later years where, and is more of a legend of him when supposedly Fionn became a giant and went to live up north and ended up constructing the giant's causeway. Uh, but so since then, since that first episode, really, we've been leading, everything's been leading up to finally tracing the origin story of Fionn McCool in the Fenian cycle. And it's been so gratifying to be here. But also, it feels so right that that the episode 20, first and foremost, uh, should be the story of Fionn becoming a man. That seems appropriate as well. But also, it feels so gratifying knowing that we did the mythological cycle before this, because, like I said in the introduction, the world was finally starting to feel rich. Not finally, but just... I think I realised that particularly in this. this. This story particularly seemed like 
an amalgamation of everything, both the folklore and the mythological sides of this podcast. Because the myth- mythology and the folklore can be very different and come from very different times. But this, this story has everything. It has the Tua de Danon, it has Fionn, it has the Eighth She, it has the fairies, it traces both sources and just is a real mixing pot of everything that we've been building up to to this point. And that feels amazing to be discovered. And I hope that that translates to those who've been listening to this podcast since the beginning. And I hope that you're seeing all the different the different elements there because I try to where as much possible to let this be a podcast that you can dip in and out of, as I've said before, like classic episodes of Doctor Who, uh, where you don't, where you didn't need to know the full story to just watch in. I hope that, so I try to do that impossible balance almost of having the episodes be a reward for those who listen regularly, but also that I can do brief catch-ups for those who listen to the, for the first time so that we're, constantly reminded where we've come from and who these characters are and who these characters are to each other because we're throwing so many names out there that is something that i've said before as well that i got from stephen fry's books on greek mythology he's constantly just doing brief even throughout the even though he has written it as a novel or as a collection of short stories he's constantly saying who this person is knowing full well that he's throwing in some cases, hundreds of names at you throughout the book and knowing that, like, the ones that matter, the names that matter and the characters that matter will stick. And I think we really have this here. It's such a... It's a classic story. There's so many classic tropes. Speaking of the Greeks as well, like, the, it seems... This story seems so Grecian to me. You know, very much like a valiant mortal hero like as in the service of a king but must slay the monster it's about as it's about as classic a story of uh, of ancient heroism as it gets and it's one i didn't know before i was really looking forward to finding out how exactly it was that fion became leader of the fiena because i had always assumed that it would just be with the slaying of gull and how amazing a twist i thought that that he doesn't even kill him, that it would be that he is able to become leader of the Fiena by slaying this monster and that he ends up fighting alongside Gull. And I looked up in some of the, in the research as well, I saw an amazing detail where just as I said there that it said that like Gull and Fionn, they never truly got on, that Fionn could never truly let that go because how could you how could he let that go of a murder in his own father but still fighting alongside him knowing what a great warrior he was and how many people were at his command there's apparently in one of the brief things i saw i wasn't able to find more on this but apparently at a later time in a later battle gull actually defects takes a group of warriors and defects against Fionn and fights against him again. So the snaky man never truly was on Fionn's side. But this this was one of those stories that was so... that the bones of were so clear. That, yeah, the very much the beginning, middle and end of it were so clear that I really only had to read details of this once and then I could just go off. There, are, there have been some stories that I... I've been going back and forth page to page or paragraph to paragraph from my different sources 
My biggest source still to this day is Lady Gregory's Book of Irish Mythology, but with the Fenian cycle, I'm lucky that there are more sources online from sites like Bard Mythologies and even like uh, even Wikipedia articles. There are like a lot of short ones, but finally for some of these characters, there's some details and just picking up little things here and there and little different versions and getting to choose from a wealth feels wonderful from a storytelling point of view that I have these different options and then can go my own way of course as I often said is is the way to go to make these stories our own because they are our own and they're ours to to put together and to change as we so wish and that's how we'll keep these stories alive but Alain the burner what a what a great just what a great dragon-like character. Just what a great, just classic, classic monster villain like like Cerberus or like the Nemean line. Just a Grecian archetypical beast. And I loved it so much. So in terms of, just glancing back through it, in terms of different versions, um, Fieke, the warrior who gives Fionn the spear, there's a couple of different accounts of that, of how he actually does defeat Elaine. In some versions, he just has the spear himself and just can instantly can instantly kill. But I liked the idea of this friend of his father, that again, even though... Because the Salmon of Knowledge, as wonderful a character and as wonderful a trope as that is, it does... It gives Fionn McCool a kind of Superman problem in terms of... If he can do everything, if he knows everything and can just instantly do everything, that's not re- really as interesting from a story point of view, is it? You know, because we want struggle, we want we want obstacles to overcome, so that these heroes feel like us, so that we feel more a part of them. And that is why Fionn himself is so enduring, because Fionn is mortal. It's why Cucullin is the same as these. These are from ancient magical stock. They're both of those heroes. Both have uh, roots in the Tua de Danan, um, and ancestors. In Fionn's case, direct. It's his grandfather is is one of them. Um, but they are mortal. They are us. They come from our world, and that's why that's why I think these characters particularly are so enduring. But again, you always want to see the characters struggle. Um, and so to have Fionn be helped and that he has this enchanted Mary Poppins magical grain skin bag that has all just every weapon. So not only does he know everything, he has a magic bag that just has all weapons in it. But for him to not have the right one, that even sucking the thumb and looking in the bag that he didn't. And that was something that I added to it, that that this spear that Fika had was a missing weapon from it. Because I was thinking, like, how was this? Why wasn't this spear in there? Or how didn't Fionn know to get this spear? So if this spear was one of the few weapons, if there are weapons that weren't put back in the crane skin bag, that as cool Fionn's father had the bag in the first place, that he had possibly shared out the weapons with other warriors and they didn't make their way back into the bag before cool was killed and the bag was stolen from the Fianna. Um. It's an ama- and it's an amazing point to be now that Fionn is now the leader of the Fianna and there are still several other 
great stories about him. A few, a few I know right away, and a few I can't wait to discover. And we go. The Fenian cycle then goes to Fionn's son as well, Fionn's son Oshin. In fact, the Fenian cycle is told by Oshin. It is Oshin telling the story of his father. So it's such a wealth of meat that we're only really scratching the surface of. And if the stories continue to be this fun to do and fun to tell and the world's become increasingly more rich, then I think we're really starting to get on a beautiful stride here with Fireside. Because, like I said before, the mythological cycle has survived so little to contemporary times, mostly because the uh, Christian scribes who wrote them down, they were turning gods into mortals. And so it was less necessary to preserve these stories of gods. The stories that I read, read more like histories, and I tried to put more of a shape on them myself. Um but struggled in some cases. Uh, it was more just like an account of this, and certainly that's what the sources I was going from read like. But the Fenian cycle is is so much more constructed from a three-act structure point of view, um, which makes, which in, in one way makes my life so much easier um, if, if it's like the work does itself. But it also means that the bones being there uh, allow me to have so much more creative freedom. The characters being so clear in my mind, being such clear stock characters, allows me to imbue them with thought, which is amazing. And I do hope that that comes through. That that may not come across. That may just be in my own head as I'm doing it, which is a part of it. I mean, this, this needs to be as fun for me to do as it is for you to hopefully listen to. Uh, but that I've really felt that I have total creative freedom when I write the folk tales because in so many ways they are so clear with stock characters. Like we're looking at the Jack tales at the moment, but the last two folk tales were Jack the Cunning Thief and then we had Hudden and Dudden and Danielle O'Neary, which is another one of the Jack tales. They are so clear that I have a lot of, I can read versions of them once and then just have total creative freedom to make my own version and stick to whatever version I want. But the mythologies I've had to follow a lot more like uh, histories, like I just said, where I felt less freedom. I felt like it's just more important because in some ways they're a lot richer and it's just very specific names that need to be known and are important to varying degrees for each story. So it's really amazing to feel that creative freedom that I have with the folktales, with the mythologies, and to really feel that we're on we're onto a winner now because the further we go into mythology or the more recent we go, the more sources we have. It makes me incredibly excited to when we go to the historical cycle and especially when we get to the Ulster cycle then and we finally do get to Cucullin. But that is that could be a while away yet because like I said, we've just unearthed um a glorious, a glorious treasure trove with the Fenian cycle, which has been so much fun to do and I hope will be continue to be fun to do. So that, I'll start to wrap it up there. Uh, I'm really happy with that. I hope you enjoyed episode 20 of Fireside. Please do continue to listen if you're enjoying it. Please tell your friends about it. Um, message me if you, if you want, if you have anything, uh, any thoughts yourself, 
always I mean, my inbox is always open at Olahan Solo, all one word, O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O on Instagram. That is the best place to currently contact me. Or you can donate to the Patreon now. You can now donate any amount to Patreon, become a patron of this podcast and finance our live shows to take to make this a new experience and to bring this podcast to the widest audience possible. Thank you so much, as always, to Headstuff, the podcast network, for taking a chance on me and on this podcast, and to Jamie Reynolds, my editor, my producer, for making this podcast sound so nice and putting it out every week. Uh, I hope we can continue to make beautiful podcasts together. Uh, and thank you again to all you listeners out there. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I've been your host and your fireside bard. I will see you all next week round the fireside. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.